with you this morning, and uh, it's always an honor uh, when a pastor extends an invitation for for you to stand in their pulpit and and teach the scriptures to their congregation, and uh, and I'm deeply honored that Brother Jimmy would uh, trust me and entrust this opportunity to me today, and I'm so grateful. Uh, that we've got to Robin on our campus ministries team at Carson Newman. That's awesome. She's um, she's uh, already making a difference there, and I am grateful. And it's an honor uh, to be here. Sandra and I are loving uh, our our lives and our service and time here in Jefferson City. And I have said before, I told the the first uh, service. You know that I'm from North Mississippi, and uh, we've discovered that that uh, North Mississippi rednecks and East Tennessee hillbillies are at least first cousins, <laughs> and I, I I feel like we're home, and we love being here, and are grateful uh, to uh, have an opportunity this morning to speak to you. We're going to be uh, in John chapter 21, if you have your Bibles with you, and we'll. Uh, read that in just a moment. It's a very, I think, uh, pretty familiar passage of Scripture we're going to consider. And yesterday I, I got a, a nice lesson in, in familiarity. I don't know, uh, most of you probably uh, live in the area, and in any given week there's no telling how many times we drive up 11E between uh, Jefferson City and Morristown. Well, yesterday, uh, Sandra and I stopped at this place uh, called, uh, well, I forget what it's called, but it's a, it's a, it's a gelato store, shop right up here by Lovin's Furniture. And I'm like, we have both lived here for two years and have never seen that the very first time. And, and a person needs to know when there's a local gelato shop. I'm telling you, that's in the need-to-know category. And I, I, we walked in to get us some gelato, and I asked them, I said, how long have y'all been open? I'm thinking that they've just opened in the last week or two. And they said, oh, five or six years. And, and I'm like, that, that is a great picture of that play, we've stopped and shopped at Lovin's. I mean, we have never seen that the first time that gelato shop, and and um, and so this morning, that's always one of the challenges when you come to a familiar passage of scripture. You've read it many times, you've heard it many times, and and it's real easy to miss some important things just because you're familiar with it. And, um, and it's infinitely more important than gelato, though gelato is very important. And uh, so if you would, let's read uh, beginning in verse 9 of John chapter 21, and then uh, we're going to read through 17. I'm reading in the New American Standard. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? 
knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Let's pray. Father, thank you for recording this episode in Jesus's life on earth as he was helping his, those who had been following him for three years uh, to learn how to be more faithful. Uh, thank you that he gave us this picture of what it's like to be restored as we see Peter in this, in this passage. Today, would you give us fresh ears and fresh eyes? Would you give us tender hearts? Uh, and would you speak to us uh, a fresh, powerful word? In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is really a, a message that is a, a discipleship message. It's just uh, something to help encourage us as we um, live and walk with Jesus and try to be faithful to him. So for those that this may not be familiar, uh, this what's happening here is that when Jesus was, uh, was crucified, there was an episode we're going to look at in just a moment when Peter was out in the courtyard and he denied Jesus three times. Uh, he cursed and did everything he could do to make sure that no one would associate him with Jesus. And Jesus has made two other appearances to the disciples, but basically you can tell from this passage, Peter, who was a fisherman before Jesus called him, uh, has now just returned to his old life. He's out fishing again. Uh, he sort of lost his way. He's not not committed to the purpose that he had been committed to. And it had been that denying Jesus was, uh, was a place where Peter made a departure from, from uh, the path that had been laid before him. And so we're seeing here where Jesus, uh, as they are coming ashore from fishing, Jesus is waiting for them here on the seashore cooking breakfast. And so and it's just when Jesus is helping restore Peter in his relationship with him and in his purpose. So I want us to look at some very basic, I'm a very simple person, so I want to help us get some things that can help, we can hold on to and encourage us in our own walks with Jesus. I want you to notice, first of all, uh, in Jesus calling Peter back to him, that there we see a familiar place. If you would, look back in your Bibles to John chapter 18, verse 18. 
Testament. John 18, 18. This is the scene in the courtyard when, uh, Jesus, when Peter denied Jesus. And I want to read this one verse. It says, Now the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. I want us to see, uh, first of all, this charcoal fire. Do you realize that we've now read the only two times that that phrase appears in Scripture? It appears in John 18, 18, when, when uh, Peter was warming himself and in providing the context where Peter denied Jesus. And then we see Jesus on the seashore uh, cooking breakfast on a charcoal fire. The only other time, and you would think that given, given a first century, that if they're cooking on a fire, that if they're cooking on the beach, that there has to be a fire in store. And if, if they're standing in a courtyard warming themselves, there's probably a fire involved. One could probably have assumed that but the scriptures make it clear that this was a charcoal fire in John 18, and it was a charcoal fire in John 21. What we see, I believe, is that Jesus is bringing Peter back to a familiar place to where he can confront uh, the reality of where he denied Jesus, that sin. It's for me, when before coming to Carson Newman, I'd pastored a Germantown Baptist Church. And when I went to Germantown Baptist Church, uh, the four years prior to me coming had been a very tumultuous time in the church. They had, they had fought and split and fought and split and fought and split. It was just painful. They, two pastors had, had left in that four years. Um, thousands had left the church and started other churches and many of them had just wandered off and weren't in church anywhere because they were wounded from all the fighting that went on at the church. And so as a new pastor, I, I felt like the very, it was, there, there is a spiritual principle that scriptures call us to, and that is that you must confront your sin. There are many people who think when they commit some, uh, some sin that if they just wait long enough that they'll be over it and, and it'll be fine. But the scriptures make it clear that for those who follow Jesus, you absolutely have to come to a place where you confront your sin. And it's the same way as a church. Many churches who go through conflicts and split, people just wait years and hope that people will forget about it. But the reality was I was convinced that the scriptures call us to confront. So I planned a grace applied service. I invited the two, the, the, all the former pastors back. I invited over 50 staff members who had transitioned out during those four years of, of struggle. I invited every church that had started from those splits and sent a letter to everybody that had left the church but hadn't joined another church, uh, inviting them back. We needed to get in the room together at the same time 
and confront our sin. And that's what we did. And I opened the scriptures to this verse in John chapter 21, verse 9, and said, here Jesus is uh, greeting Peter at a familiar place, a charcoal fire. And I said, for us, for us, we, we have need to come to a familiar place because it's in this room, on this side at this church where so many horrible things have taken place and hateful things have been said that it's caused this church to split. And so after calling attention to these verses, I said, we need to go into a time of, of seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness. And so the church and they did. It was one of the most beautiful, most spiritual experiences of my life, seeing all those thousands of people weeping and, and seeking forgiveness. I want us to understand that part of following Jesus, um, if you're lost and have never been saved, then, then part of the, proce the process of coming to faith in Jesus is you confront your sin and you realize that you can't deal with it apart from Jesus and but you have to confront your sin as a follower of Jesus we are called when we when we depart from God's plan for our lives we're called to to repent and turn away from that sin to confront it seek forgiveness and move on and Jesus is doing a familiar place notice here as well uh, a familiar name Look in there, when you look in verse 15, Jesus, when he is speaking to Peter, he calls him Simon, son of John. Now that's very significant because Jesus had given Peter a new name. He gave him the name of Peter. He was a rock. And, and so what Jesus was doing was calling Peter by the name that he was known as before he encountered Jesus. Essentially, what he was doing was saying that your conduct here has been reminding, has been reflecting who you were before you encountered me. It was a, a very subtle but very powerful way to communicate to Peter that there were some that uh, his life uh, needed some correcting. Uh, I don't know about your home, but in my home, I can understand that just a little growing up. My, my, my name's Charles, and my mom called me Charles, except for those times when I was in trouble and all of a sudden it was Charles Allen. In my home, when you heard your full name, you knew that there was getting ready to be trouble. And, uh, and you, better, you better come running when mom calls you by your full name. That's, that's kind of how Sandra is with our family, our girls. They grew up. But when she needed to get their attention, she'd call them by their full name. And in a lot of sense like that is what I think Jesus is doing here, is he is, he is calling him by, this, by his former name to just just to call to attention the, the, uh, the way he had been acting in this season from when he had denied Jesus. So it was a familiar place, it was a familiar name, and there was a familiar Lord. Notice that they, 
didn't ask Jesus who he was in this passage. The scripture says they knew it was the Lord. So they knew, all of these disciples knew that they were coming face to face with the risen Lord. And he was there doing business. It's very important when we think about what we see Jesus doing with Peter here. For me, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I, um, um, but never really got discipled the way I wish that I could have been. I just sort of um, grew up and I learned to pray by listening to people pray. I learned from people's prayers in worship services and Sunday school and, and all the things. I remember for most of my life, I would, I would um, uh, get up every morning early. I'd read my Bible and I'd pray. And, I'd say, and I, in that prayer, I'd say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And then at the end of the day, at night, before I'd go to bed, I would have a time of prayer and I'd say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Amen. And then I would go to go to sleep. Well, the reality of the scriptures uh, for us is that when we, when we sin, it, it affects our relationship with Jesus. It affects our fellowship there. And so I, I, I came to realize that, that if I pray when I get up in the morning, forgive me my sins, and I pray before I go to bed at night, forgive me my sins, because I'm going to sin during the day that the only time that I was in fellowship with Jesus was when I was asleep. And, and I'm like, but boy, I did some great things for the Lord while I was asleep. You know, it's, it's the reality is that when I would say in the morning, Lord, forgive me for my sins, or I would pray at night, Lord, forgive me for my sins, I wasn't thinking about any particular sin. I just wanted, wanted the, the, all the mess-ups in my day to just be taken away. But the reality is that for me, there was a, a very real pattern in my life, and that was that I was dealing with the same sins over and over and over in my life. I would say, forgive me for my sins, and then every day and week, I saw the same sin patterns in my life, and things weren't changing. And so I began thinking, maybe what I need to do is to start praying during the day so that when something good happens, I just say, thank you, Lord. When I see something happening that I feel like someone needs me to pray for them, I pray then. And when I sin during the day, I pause and I confess that sin and I and I say to the Lord, I don't want, I am not going to commit this sin anymore. I'm sorry for this sin. I repent of it. I'm going to change how I live because I'm confronting that sin. And I'm doing it at the moment when the Holy Spirit is prompting me. So if I'm going through my day and I see someone and the thought hits on my heart to stop and do some act of kindness there, and, and I, because I'm busy, just think, I don't have time to do that, and I just blow past that, that opportunity to do something for the Lord in that moment. And then, just like the Holy Spirit does, my heart gets greed because it's like, I should have stopped and done something kind 
in that situation. Well, right then, when I'm dealing with the reality of what I had just done, I ask the Lord to forgive me of that. And I say, Lord, if you'll give me that opportunity again, I'll say yes. I, 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 I repent of that. I'm confronting the sin where I had been for so many years just saying the phrase, forgive me of my sin and never thinking and, and finding myself stuck in a rut with the same sins over and over. And I discovered that when I was going through my day and I would deal with the sin right when it would happen, then I found myself getting uh, ending sin patterns. I found myself actually growing closer in there. And it's important what you see on the whole, what Jesus is doing with Peter is setting the stage with a familiar place, that with a calling him a familiar name, and he was, this was the trusted Lord Jesus that was doing this. I have found in my life that just as Jesus was calling Peter to confront his sin, I have found victory and growth as a follower of Jesus when I confront my sin at the point of the sin. And the Holy Spirit is very faithful when I mess up to let me know it just like he is all of you. So it's a very important process that's going here. But ultimately what we're seeing is Peter being restored to ministry. So, you, so we've got this whole part of confronting, confronting the sin and, uh, and Jesus meeting him there. Jesus met him right where he was and called him to a new place. But there's something else that's happening. And you see Jesus calling him back uh, and commissioning him again for ministry. And that's so important. I want you to notice that the very first uh, Jesus was asking Peter a question. And the question was what? Do you love me? Notice that, that that journey back in fellowship with the Lord is requires a call to love. It's a recognizing that Jesus loves us and that he's calling us to love. Notice that just uh, when Jesus said to Peter the first time, do you love me? Peter's response, if you unpack the Greek there, is that Peter declared a brotherly love for Jesus. Jesus said a second time, do you love me? And Peter's response was that I have a deep affection for you. Jesus asked a third time, do you love me? And it was only this third time when Peter responded with the kind of faithful, committed love that Jesus was looking. And it's important for us to recognize uh, that our relationship with Jesus is one that is built with the spiritual DNA of love. But not only was it a call to love, there was a very important aspect of this, and it is the focus of that love. So you, you uh, just a moment, said the question that Jesus asked was, do you love me? So who was it that Jesus wanted to know if Peter loved? Him. Do you love me? Jesus asked him a very pointed question. 
do you, it's not do you just love in general, it's do you love me? And that's such an important part of our walk with Jesus. I, I've uh, grown up and, and I've, I've messed up in just about as many ways as you can mess up. And there have been seasons of my life where I've gone through the motions of what it looks like to be a Christian. I've read my Bible. I've gone to church. I've tithed. I've served. I've been a nice person. I've tried that. But I would have no conscious awareness of any kind of a personal relationship with Jesus. It was as though I, I was just making sure, like there were boxes that I could check in my in my mind that if I do these things that I'm going to be this good Christian. And Jesus is undermining that entire philosophy here by reminding G, uh, Peter that, that before you ever go to work for him, the important foundation for a follower of Jesus is that you love Jesus. We're not, we're saved into a relationship. We surrender our lives to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose again on the third day. Our entire faith that's built upon the authority of the Word of God is that we are welcomed into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus was saying here is he didn't want Peter to say, I'm sorry, let me just run and get back to work. He wanted Peter to stop and deal with the reality that the Christian faith, the life that he was being welcomed into is a life that is, that is a devoted love for Jesus Christ first and foremost. And so this call to love had a focus, and that focus was Jesus. And then finally, there was evidence. What's the evidence of this deep abiding love for Jesus? It's obedience. So if Peter got this right, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. If, this, if your life is built in this deep abiding love for Jesus, this awareness that you're in a relationship with Jesus, then based upon that love and as an expression of that love, go out and be obedient to my word. And Jesus said to him to feed my sheep, to tend my sheep. It's, um, for me, when I grew up, my dad, uh, my family, we had um, a farm and we raised Charley cattle. And, and I have two older brothers and a little sister. My little sister was sort of exempt from all of this. But, but uh, you know, I'll be in the number three son. I was the low man on the totem pole. So growing up in high school, you know, if I, it, you could just count on it. If I had a date or if I had a plan to go and do something, Somebody was going to call my dad and say, you got a cow out. And my dad, being the lowest low man on the totem pole, would say, son, go get the cow back in the pasture. And here it is. And so it, it really, when a cow got out, it really didn't matter what your plans were. 
the world stopped until that cow or those cattle got back in the pasture and I'd change my plans and, and I would go. For much of my growing up years, I was really frustrated by the whole farming experience. It was, I, I felt like those cows existed to ruin my life. And, um, and, and um, now after I haven't lived at home since I got married and we moved to seminary and we've not been, li we've not lived in Corinth since in our married life uh, in Corinth, Mississippi. But you know, now um, when I, I go home, it's one of the great joys of my life is to go out to the farm with my dad. I will often say to him um, when I go home, it's like, Dad, do, is there anything that we need to do out at the farm while I'm home? Do we need to? My dad doesn't raise cows anymore. He raises trees. They're a lot easier now. He waited till I got out of high school to come to that conclusion. I think once, once he got rid of kids to go do his work like that, I think he decided <laughs> trees are much better. They eat less. And so... But I'll go home and say to my dad, Dad, do we need to go out and clear any of the fire lanes at the farm? Do we need to go out and do any work? And I'm like, I, I can almost think to myself, who is this guy that's saying these words? Because this farm and those cattle were the bane of my existence as a teenager. And here I am asking my dad can we go out there and work on the farm? And I really came to such a great conclusion one day when I realized the difference was that now I love to go out and work on the farm with my dad because I love my dad. I get to go home and spend time with my dad on the farm. I really think that's what Jesus was helping Peter come to the realization of. Our service for Jesus isn't a duty or obligation. He doesn't want our motivations to be ought-tos and have-tos. He wants us to serve him because we want to spend time with him and, and love him. I mean, we're called. Jesus made it clear that what you've done unto the least of these, you've done what? Unto me. You want to spend time with Jesus, then you love and serve the poor and the least among us. And, it, and we see in that not a task that has to be done, but a relationship with the one and Jesus meets us in that very service. Jesus was not calling Peter back to just an, a brand new to-do list. Jesus was welcoming Peter back to be restored, first of all, in their fellowship with each other, and secondly, that in and out of that fellowship would grow his service because not only was he to love Jesus, but Jesus said, whose sheep was he to tend? His. Mine. Would you tend my lambs? Would you feed my sheep? You see, Jesus would meet him in that service because the people that Peter would encounter were people that Jesus loved. It was a relationship that was evidenced through service. I've learned that lesson with our farm and my dad. 
It's helped me recognize the walk that my life as a follower of Jesus, a child of God, should look like. And I know now, I've stood in front of thousands of people, and I've been able on the authority of God's Word to say to them, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to know He loves you. And he wants to welcome you into a relationship where he will change your life and forgive you of your sins. And that invitation is open. But as a follower of Jesus who surrendered his life to Jesus, um, my life can be a mess at times. I I don't live the perfect life all the time. I wish I could. And there are times that I have those Peter moments where I say things I shouldn't say, I do things I shouldn't do, I don't do the things that I ought to say, I don't speak a word of witness when the Lord has provided a divine appointment, and I just sort of blow through those moments, and, I, and, and immediately the Holy Spirit will just convict me of that sin. And you know what? That same loving Lord Jesus that welcomed Peter to a charcoal fire on the seashore. That same loving Lord Jesus who who welcomed me into the family of God when I surrendered my life to him is the same loving Lord that that wants me to confront where I went wrong and and commit to, to see him change my life and then have a relationship restored and the whole purpose for my life restored as I live out for him. And the odds are, if I believe the scriptures, which I do, there's not a child of God in this room who can't, who can't think of that same journey in your own life where you're walking with the Lord, where you're not really walking with the Lord, and you're constantly, and you find yourself. And I just want it as a discipleship message this morning to just say to you that Jesus loves you. He welcomes you back. He wants you to live with this conscious awareness of your life and relationship with him. And then when we come to him, he just wants to restore us to to, uh, in our fellowship with him and in our purpose for existing. So if you're here this morning and You've been following Jesus, and maybe your life has not been been uh, walking the path that the that the Lord has set before you. I just want to say to you that today uh, He'll welcome you home, and He'll recommission you for the path that's laid before you. Let me pray, and I'm gonna after I pray, Brother Jimmy will be here, and he can give us instructions from there. Father, thank you. Thank you that you, through Jesus Christ, have shown us a love that the world has never seen. And and Father, even in the face of that love, there's so often that we, that I know I do, that I fail to to fully demonstrate with with an obedient life uh, how I express that love. And so, Father... Thank you that you forgive me of my sins, that you welcome me back, and that that grace that you have given to me is the same grace that you make available to all. 
If there are those in this room this morning who need to, who need to experience salvation, give them the confidence to, to trust that you're going to love them and welcome them and do a deep abiding work of your spirit in their lives where old things are passed away and all things are become new. And for those of us who have followed you before and chosen our own path rather than yours, Father, I pray that if we need to today that you'll call us to confront our own sin so that we will be welcomed back and recommissioned for the purpose that you have set before us. We love you. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.